everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. We're back another week, um, our second week of playoff coverage, if you will. We just wrapped up our second weekend. Um, <clears throat> of course, the playoffs started two weekends prior. Um, but anyways, we're, be- we're back. We're recapping um, Friday through Sunday's action. That's April 21st through 23rd. Today is the 24th. Uh, today being a Monday, of course. So uh, welcome to the show. Um, welcome back to the show, both new experienced listeners alike. We welcome you all. Uh, we're going to have a great show for you today. Uh, I'm your host, Karsten. Uh, unfortunately, we're not joined by Wyatt today. He is in the throes of finals week. Uh, so certainly sympathize with him and um, excuse me, we're sending him the best as he works to wrap up uh, some projects, some finals some classes um now excuse me um and uh yeah finish up this semester go into the summer have a little bit more free time and we'll certainly be looking forward to that but um of course he'll be working on that today so we're just going to run the the show solo for you and we're going to start first by congratulating the philadelphia 76ers they are the first team uh in this year's playoffs to advance to the second round or the conference semifinals, whichever you prefer. Uh, they are the only team to sweep their series. They uh, beat the Nets 4-0. Um, they're one of the teams we highlighted as having the possibility to end their series this past weekend, and they're the only one that did so. Um, and uh, we'll go ahead and start with that game. That was a Saturday game, but we'll start with that one. Um just because there's not really too much to say as far as, you know, um, going into this, we kind of knew that the Sixers were the stronger team. The Nets, you know, had some question marks as far as them being a, such a high seed due to uh, some great runs that they had with players that are no longer on the team. Um, and uh, we got to give credit to the Nets first because despite a 4-0 loss, all of these games were competitive and this series could have very easily gone six or seven games. Uh, quite honestly, you know, there are series sweeps where it's apparent. Okay. You know, they're a lower seed for a reason. The sweep was inevitable. Um, why are they even playing in this type of a playoff situation? You know, we've seen some of those matchups in the past. This was not one of those. Um, again, despite, not winning a game in this series. The Nets were competitive throughout. Credit to Mikhail Bridges um, in particular, but also, you know, guys like Dinwiddie, Nick Claxton, Cameron Johnson. You know, they anchored the the Nets' attack. They had, you know, decent performances from some of the role-playing guys, Royce O'Neal, Finney Smith, Harris, Curry, Patty Mills a little bit, you know, I mean, they were on sharp, like they were competitive. They were not going to just be satisfied to just be in the playoffs looking to next year, knowing that they're going to be kind of a, um, a younger team now, a different type of team than they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, they wanted to compete. They want to say, Hey, let's, what can we, you know, what can we do in this playoff series? You know? Uh, so credit to them. Uh, Bridges was impressive throughout, um, <clears throat> and he's a really interesting piece now that's emerged for the Nets as a, a building type of piece. But um, the Sixers were just a better team overall, um, so it's not too much of a surprise to see them win the series again. Congrats. They move on to the second round. Um, we'll recap that last game um, of stats, and it's especially impressive for, for Philadelphia because they were without Joel Embiid. You know, this was the opportunity for Brooklyn to to take a game and, you know, pre- prevent the sweep, maybe, you know, get that five game gentleman sweep, if you will. But uh, uh, the Sixers responded uh, and especially Paul Reed had a huge game for them um, back and forth game. Uh, both teams had substantial leads, you know, about 10 points uh, at various points. Uh, the Sixers leading by 10 or more that just happened to come in the final few minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, at a point where they kind of stormed back, took a lead, and uh, said, "Hey, let's let's get this taken care of. Let's get that fourth game. Let's move on to the second round." Um, and again, Paul Reed starting at center for them without Joel Embiid, and he puts up a very good stat line. Um, <clears throat> he's uh, of course just a role player at this point, and a guy that's getting you know maybe 
14, 15 minutes a game, if that. Um, he's really emerged as a, as a nice part of their second unit. And to have him start and put up this kind of a stat line, you know, very good. Uh, 10 points, 15 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. You know, not otherworldly, but it's very solid. The rebounds were very good. And he just did everything he needed to to kind of fill in the gaps. Um, and the rest of the Sixers squad, you know, were able to match that level of play. Um, and then some, you know, and they were able to get the win. So so credit to them. Uh, their leading scorer, Tobias Harris, 25 points, 12 rebounds. Um, they got 17 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds from James Harden. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals from Maxi, Tyrese Maxey. And 15 points off the bench, 40, Anthony Melton. Uh, the guards, Tobias Harris as well, getting it done for the Sixers. Reed locking it down inside on the glass, and uh, they're able to come out on top. You know, you look at the Nets. Uh, Mikael Bridges struggling um, maybe the most of any of these four games as far as uh, efficient shooting. Still was able to get 17 points, five rebounds, three assists. Their leading scorer in game four was Spencer Dinwiddie, 20 points, six assists, 19 points, 12 rebounds, and four blocks for Nick Claxton, who continues to emerge um, as a you know very quality starting center at the very least. Uh, and then you have Cameron Johnson, 11 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Um, also, Dorian Finney-Smith, eight points, and one of everything else, a rebound, an assist, a steal, a block. Those stat lines are always a little bit fun to see. But, um, you know, that summarizes game four. Again, <clears throat> Philadelphia came out on top. Credit to, to the Nets for fighting. But now Philadelphia awaits the outcome of the Celtics and the Hawks to see who they will play in the second round. And that's a great segue for us to go to Friday's first game. And we'll talk about these uh, these two Celtics-Hawks matchups um, pretty much back-to-back um, the first one saw the Hawks pick up a win. You know, they were down 2-0 going into game three, which was Friday, the first game on Friday, Friday's action. And uh, they responded. They had a big game, um, especially in the second half, really um, flowing on offense. And uh, the Celtics didn't have a, a terrible game themselves. You look at their box score in the game three, Tatum with 29 10 rebounds, five assists, and two steals. The percentage is a bit off, but uh, same with Jalen Brown. He only picked up 15 points, three assists, three steals. 24 points, eight assists, and three steals for Marcus Smart. Uh, 17 off the bench for Malcolm Brogdon, the recently named sixth man of the year. 14 for Grant Williams and off the bench as well, and 11 points for the starter, Derek White. So you look at that. Not terrible, you know. They they were producing. They got 122 points, but the Hawks were really uh, flowing quite well uh, as a team, um, <clears throat> making uh, you know making making some good shots. And their backcourt tandem, Murray and Young, were really firing on all cylinders. Trey Young, 32 points, nine assists, six rebounds, two blocks, and a steal. Really putting up a, a big stat line. DeJounte Murray, 25 points, six rebounds, five assists, and a steal. Uh, again, those two really typifying their effort. Off the bench, both Bogdan Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey had 15 points each. Uh, so that was huge for them. Bey also with eight rebounds. Bogdanovich with a steal and an assist. Ten points each for uh, Jalen Johnson is off the bench, and Clint Capella, the starter. Capella also with 11 rebounds and 11 points for DeAndre Hunter. So just well-balanced, and uh, the, that guard tandem really um, you know, having their way with the Celtics. There, It was their first game in Atlanta in the series, so it was great to see them respond this way, get that win. Um, and, of course, going in, in, into game four, they're hoping to get the uh, the win there, tie it up, and go back and have have themselves a series. But the uh, Celtics really, um, they were able to kind of ratchet things down. They get the win, another fairly high-scoring game, uh, but they get the win in game four in Atlanta to take a 3-1 series lead. Um and looking at the flow of this game, the Celtics really uh, were locked in as far as um, getting a lead early, excuse me, getting a lead early and, you know, doing their best to kind of lock that in. 
not a lot of wavering in that lead. It wasn't ever a huge lead um, hovering, you know, around seven or eight points for the most part, kind of that average lead for most of the game, but uh, it was just consistent and it was steady. Um, and, and again, the Hawks had another solid game. Trey young, 35 points, 15 assists, uh, two steals as well. Pretty good percentages. DeJounte Murray with 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists, a steal on a block. DeAndre Hunter stepped up with a huge scoring game, 27 points for him, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal on a block. Um, but outside of those three, the, the Hawks didn't have quite the same supporting uh, scoring that they had in the previous game. No uh, double-figure scorers off the bench. Uh, Clint Capello, 10 points, seven rebounds. Uh, the rebounding effort maybe a little bit not quite locked in compared to the previous game as well. And then you look at the Celtics, uh, Tatum and Brown each had 31 points. Uh, so Tatum, you know, he elevated his play a bit. Brown really stepped up after a little bit of an off game three. Um, Tatum also with seven rebounds, four assists, and three blocks. Uh, Brown adding four rebounds and three three assists himself. Um, and then, you know, a lot of supporting characters with good games. Uh, Robert Williams III making a return to the Celtics lineup, coming off the bench. Uh, so a little bit limited minutes, working him back into that lineup. He picked up 13 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, two steals and two blocks. Incredible all-around stat line. 14 points off the bench for the sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. 19 points for Marcus Smart. 18 for Derek White. And Al Horford, no points, but 11 rebounds, five assists, and two steals. Um, just a little bit better all-around game in this one. And uh, Celtics up 3-1. Three, three, they go back into Boston uh, tomorrow. And again, we'll give you more in-depth game summaries a little bit later in the show, but uh, they will hope to close out the series at home uh, in tomorrow's action. And there's going to be some, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for the Hawks in multiple ways. One of those ways we'll talk about in just a moment, some news uh, coming out of Atlanta, a little bit of a tough situation there. Again, we'll get into specifics in just a moment, but um, yeah, the Celtics with a big lead. Um winner of that series again they will play the Sixers so that will be your first Eastern Conference matchup um, as far as the other Eastern Conference matchup one of those will be the winner of the uh, Cavs and Knicks series and similar to the Hawks and and Celtics series we're going to talk about both Cavs Knicks games that happened this past weekend at once uh, this is your four or five matchup in the East the Cavs a four seed the Knicks a five seed both these games in New York game three and game four and the Knicks taking care of business of course you remember in game one they got the victory on the road to um, you know swing home court advantage to their favor um, with the Cavs winning game two the Knicks had still taken care of business as far as getting at least one on the road and then they go. They went into Madison Square Garden this weekend with the hope of getting both home games to then take a 3-1 lead and put themselves in commanding position in this series. And that's exactly what they did. Um, in the first game, the Knicks won 99-79, which I believe, if I saw a stat correctly, was the lowest scoring game up to this point in this whole entire season um, for any team. So that's... Again, I hope I'm quoting that right. I feel like there's every probability that that is not the exact stat. Um, but we can say with certainty that they were certainly able to stifle the Cavs offense and or the Cavs did not have a great offensive game um, within their own you know, parameters of shot selection, uh, simply you know being able to make those shots they take whatever that exact situation is. And then in game four, which was Sunday uh, again, game three was Friday night game four on Sunday night, closer game, better offense for both teams um, <clears throat> within a 10 point game, but the Knicks still come out on top. Jalen Brunson, a key factor there. And again, now Knicks up three, one uh, game game five will be, in Cleveland, and that is scheduled for Wednesday. Um, so definitely, you know, a game to keep your your eyes and your ears out for as far as um, what, uh, yeah, uh, you know, will the Cavs be able to respond at home, force it back to New York for game six, 
Um, that'll be interesting to see. Sorry, kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, you're looking at game three, um, close for the most part through that first half, and then the Knicks really ran away with it in that second half. Again, uh, the Cleveland offense really struggling. Donovan Mitchell in that one did have 22 points, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals. The percentage is a bit rough from three. Um, 17 for Karis LeVert, 10 points, 10 boards for Evan Mobley. 10 points for Darius Garland. Those are their double-figure scores in that game. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, 21 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals. Um, R.J. Barrett, 19 points. Excuse me. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Randall with only 11 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. 11 off the bench for Emmanuel Quickly. 13 off the bench for Josh Hart. He has been a big spark plug for the Knicks as a... uh, a bench piece for them. And then you look at that second game game four, uh, the Cavs a little better offense Garland, 23 points, 10 assists, all five starters and double figures worth noting though, Donovan Mitchell, only 11 points. Um, and then 10 points off the bench for Jetty Osman, 14 each for Karis Levert and Jared Allen, 12 for Evan Mobley. Um, but again, you look at the Knicks, Jer- Jalen Brunson, 29 points, six rebounds, six assists, a steal and a block. 26 points for RJ Barrett. Um, 19 for Josh Hart, who got the start in this game in place of um, Quentin Grimes, uh, who was dealing with uh, an injury or illness of some form. Um, did not play in this game. 12 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks for Mitchell Robinson doing his thing. Julius Randle still an off offensive night, you know, only seven points. And that's extra impressive to think about with both these Knicks victories. Julius Randle, an all-star for them this season, not getting great offensive, having poor offensive nights, to be quite honest, in both of those victories for New York. Um, and that's a great sign for New York. You know, you've gotten great performances. You've been able to hold off a stellar Cavs team without great performances from your best player. And now you're going into Cleveland. And if he can have a, a solid game again, um, I, that that's going to be, you know, a great opportunity for New York to close out that series, which of course they're certainly hoping to do that. Um, so that's, you know, those two games, definitely a letdown for Cleveland, especially as a higher seed, especially with, you know, their consistency in the regular season, Donovan Mitchell, the way he was able to play, you know, tough couple of games. Um, they're down three, one tough situation, you know, for any team that's down three, one, um, even though in recent memory we've had a number of memorable comebacks from down 3-1, um, the stats still are not great as far as likelihood. <clears throat> Excuse me, likelihood of that happening. So it's a tough road, but again, it's possible. Um, I will be really curious to see how, you know, if we're being frank, Cleveland's star player, their best player, their newest you know, player to their primary core, Donovan Mitchell. <clears throat> As a jazz fan, of course, I'm curious to see how he does regardless. But um, in this type of a situation, the team in general, but also Mitchell in particular, how he responds if there's that, you know, sense of urgency, you know, really fighting to win a series, um, kicking it in a high gear, what that looks like for the Cavs will be very interesting. But again, New York taking a three, uh, 3-1 lead over the weekend. Very impressive to see. Um, <clears throat> we did have a series. Um, this is another Friday and Sunday set of games that we'll talk about. Um, <clears throat> we had a series that looked like it could have been the next sweep after the Sixers sweep the Nets. And that was the Nuggets and Timberwolves. Um they played Friday and then uh, Sunday, two games. They won game three. Uh, so they were up 3-0 at that point after game three, 120 to 111. This was in Minnesota. Closer game. Um, you know, good fight for Minnesota generally. They kept the score fairly close, uh, but the Nuggets still ran away with it for the most part. Uh, you look at the box score, Carl Anthony Towns, a little bit better scoring game with 27 points, seven rebounds. Anthony Edwards still leading the charge, though, 36 points, seven rebounds, five assists, also with three steals and a block, 18 points, 10 rebounds for Rudy Gobert, 12 points for Mike Conley, 
Um, those were their double figure scores, but uh, the Nuggets, all five starters in double figures, 25 with nine rebounds for Michael Porter Jr. Huge game from him. 20 points, 12 assists, 11 rebounds. Nikola Jokic, I believe that's his first triple-double of this year's playoffs, so that's great to see. 18 points for Jamal Murray with nine assists, 14 each for both Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and 12 points off the bench for Bruce Brown, their unique sixth-man piece. So Nuggets still very sharp. Timberwolves, good games from key players, but just not good enough as a team to be able to win that game. Um, Fortunately for the Timberwolves' sake, they did win that game four on Sunday at home, forced overtime, got the victory in overtime. Uh, You know, they're not going to get swept in the series. Great for, you know, team pride, fan pride. Um, You still have to think the Nuggets, you know, in all probability will, you know, go on and win the series regardless. Um, But it's great to see teams down 3-0 still getting that kind of fight that, you know, a little bit of pride. We don't want to lose in a sweep. Uh, and it was a close game. Again, Timberwolves had a lead, a uh, big lead late in the fourth nuggets forced the overtime at that point. Uh, but the Timberwolves were able to hang on and get the victory in overtime. So credit to them. Uh, and you look at the, the nuggets <clears throat> box scores in this Jokic with a huge individual game, 43 points, 11 rebounds, six assists and two steals. Uh, really taking charge individually. Uh, Jamal Murray, 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 15 for Michael Porter Jr., 14 for Aaron Gordon again, 11 off the bench for Bruce Brown. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, only five, but, you know, Jokic scoring, making up for that. Um, but again, the Timberwolves, huge game. Again, Anthony Edwards stepping up, 34 points, six rebounds, five assists, two steals and three blocks. Again, that defensive edge, that defensive ability. I love seeing that as far as his outlook as a star of the future um, and honestly a star of the present. Um, 17 points, 11 rebounds for Carl Anthony Towns, 19 points for Mike Conley, 14 points, 15 rebounds and two blocks for Rudy Gobert and 11 points off the bench for Kyle Anderson. So just a little bit better all around game. They're able to fine tune it and, uh, get that win against the Nuggets. But now they go um, tomorrow. They will be in Denver. Nuggets looking to close it out at home, get that fifth game uh, or victory in game five to close out the series. But um, again, credit to the Timberwolves being able to fight back uh, in that game. Um, That was, again, all three of those series had a Friday and a Sunday game. Those were the three Friday games as well. Let's jump to Saturday. Uh, We also talked about, Sixers and Nets already. Let's jump into Suns and Clippers because the Suns had a great, um, great game in LA again, winning 112 to 100 in LA against the Clippers. Clippers, the five seed, Suns, the four seed. Suns now with a 3 1 series lead going back to Phoenix with a chance to close out the series and move on to the second round in their own right. Um, back and forth game. Clippers responded really well without Kawhi Leonard. They continue to have the injury issues here in this playoffs, but the Suns, they just had a little bit too much firepower for the Clippers to overcome. Uh, You look at the box score for the Clippers, Russell Westbrook, huge individual game, 37 points, six rebounds, four assists, Um, good percentages all around, did not get to the free throw line, but hit uh, half, uh, three of his six three-point attempts outside of Westbrook, not a ton of offense to come by Norman Powell, 14 points getting put into the starting lineup, 10 points for Eric Gordon, 13 off the bench for Terrence Mann. Um, <clears throat> the Clippers shooting below, uh, you know, 35% from three, they shot about 32.4% from three, not stellar, uh, not a great shooting night from the floor. Overall, the Suns were just better offensively, more efficient offensively. And they had the star power, you know, Kevin Durant, 31 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, Devin Booker, 30 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, three steals. You add DeAndre Ayton to the mix, 15 points, 13 rebounds, two steals, two blocks. And certainly let's not forget Chris Paul, 19 points, nine assists, four rebounds, but also three steals and three blocks. And those four, you know, 
we've talked about it. That's your best four. That is a stellar lineup. You're facing a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard, without Paul George. Westbrook is doing his absolute best to be able to fill those gaps where he can. Um, but the Clippers, quite frankly, just don't have enough. And, um, you know, there's a very good possibility the Suns close out the series. Uh, again, that game will be tomorrow, Tuesday. Close out the series tomorrow uh, in Phoenix. Move on to the second round. We'll keep you, of course, updated on what happens for sure, but that's you know pretty likely possibility. So, again, big win for Phoenix in that one on Saturday. Let's jump to uh, the Sun, the excuse me, the Heat and the Bucks. Um, they had their game three, the first game in Miami for that series, um, in which the uh, Miami Heat won at home 121 to 99. It was the second consecutive game for the Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Their MVP, their star player, uh, one of the best players in the Bucks franchise history, one of the great players of our generation. Um, and uh, without him, Bucks are still a decent team, um, but the Heat were locked in, and especially Jimmy Butler has been huge in the playoffs so far, kind of as you'd expect, really. Um, you know, the Bucks did their best, but it's just tough to overcome not having your key player. Um and the Heat really ran away with this one, leading by as many as 29 points uh, midway through the fourth quarter. Huge offensive output from them. Um, <clears throat> you look at the Bucks scoring, uh, Chris Middleton with 23 points, six assists, five rebounds, two steals, 19 points for Drew Holiday, 14 points for Grayson Allen, 11 off the bench for Pat Connaughton. Um, it's... It's not bad from any of those guys, but without that 30-point kind of performance you would normally plug in from your Giannis and Tenacupo, you have Bobby Portis, 9 points, 10 rebounds. We, I love Portis, and he's an underrated bench player in this league. Um, even now that he's getting a lot of attention for his six-man capabilities, you know he still gets underrated a lot. Um, <clears throat> it's just not the same. You know, and I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you, you know, Giannis coming in there and giving you 30 points, 14 rebounds and, you know, a handful of steals and blocks and some assists. That's, you know, a key part of their offense. And then especially you look at Miami, Jimmy Butler had 30 points in this game, uh, hugely efficient offensively, 20 off the bench from Duncan Robinson um, and four other guys in double figures. Uh, 15 for Kyle Lowry coming off the bench. They had 12 from Caleb Martin coming off the bench. 12 each from Bam Adebayo and Max Struess, both starting. Uh, Adebayo with 11 rebounds. Caleb Martin with 11 rebounds. Just huge games from all of those guys. And uh, when you're without your star player, you have to have a number of guys have above average games. We saw it in game two that the Bucks were able to win without Giannis. They responded in a big way. And they had their, you know, good to great kind of players, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, step up. In this game, we didn't really see that. And the Heat were on fire. And that led to a big, a big Miami win. Miami taking a 2-1 series lead. Game four tonight, uh, Monday night. That game is already wrapped up. I already have some insights as far as what we'll talk about on that game summary for Wednesday night. Um, but... 2-1 lead for Miami. Tough for Milwaukee. You know, you're a, you're a one seed, and now you're down 2-1 to one against an eight seed. Um, pretty frustrating, you know, just circumstances out of your control. Star player gets injured. Um, his health key to this series going one way or the other. Um, and that's, you know, just kind of the way it goes, I suppose. Um, finally, we'll talk about um, the last game from Saturday night. Um Actually, we might have one more from Sunday that we need to talk about. Um, let me double check that, make sure. Um, if I can get to the right day, of course. Oh, yes, we have Kings Warriors. We certainly should not forget to talk Kings Warriors uh, from Sunday night. First, of course, we'll talk the Lakers at home, their first home game of the series against the Memphis Grizzlies. Lakers win 111 to 101. And this was an interesting one. Early on, the Lakers went on a tear. They led by uh, about 26 points at the end of the first quarter. 
Um, one of the one of, if not the highest scoring first quarters or individual quarters in playoff history. Hugely impressive start. Um, the Lakers home court atmosphere, crypto.com arena, if you want to get technical. And they were electric, you know. It was their first home playoff game, quite honestly, um, with with full capacity since the the Kobe years. I mean, that sounds weird because the Lakers have been competitive lately with LeBron. They won a championship. You think about that championship being in the bubble, there was no playoff crowd for any team at all. And then 2021, we had to return to playoffs. They were in the playoffs that year as the seventh seed, um, but it was limited capacity. It, there was restrictions still in place. And then, of course, last season, they didn't make make the playoffs at all so back in the playoffs and a full court or a full uh full attendance full arena for really the first time since the kobe teams in the playoffs which is again it's weird to say but i think that's true and huge first quarter you know sustained that lead but then late it randomly got interesting you know I mean, they were leading by 20-plus points going into the fourth quarter. That game is over. And then suddenly Morant has one of the most electric fourth quarters that, you know, was not going to get rewarded. And um, Lakers still won, but they only won by about 10 points. And um, credit to John Morant. This was his first game back from that game one hand injury that he sustained. And boy, did he respond. 45 points. 13 assists, nine rebounds, and 22 of those points. I mentioned the fourth quarter. 22 of those points were consecutive, I believe, consecutive points for the Grizzlies. Certainly, he had 22 in the fourth quarter alone. He was red hot. He was shooting threes. He was finishing. I mean, he he did everything. His percentages were electric in this game. The rest of the Grizzlies just kind of didn't have enough to work with. I mean, Desmond Bain, 18 points. That's not a bad game for him. 13 for Jaron Jackson, but that was it. Those are double-figure scores. You know, you need your your Luke Kennards, your Santi Aldamas off the bench getting some points. You could use some more points from a guy like Dylan Brooks, but unfortunately he got ejected um, during this game. I believe it was third quarter um, with a, you know, a little bit of a, a cheap type of, of, a, of a swing or whatever you want to call it at uh, the groin area of LeBron. Of course, this has been the whole talking point for the whole series. Dylan Brooks talking about his matchup with LeBron and then, um, you know, LeBron with a great, great game. The Lakers off to a huge start. And then this guy, you know, Dylan Brooks gets ejected for something like that. It's just, you know, not sure what you make of it, but it's not what the Grizzlies need uh, for sure because he's a guy that can give you a little bit of offense. He can give you, you know, 14, 15 points a game. Um, again, Jaron Jackson Jr., he can get a little bit more points. He wasn't great offensively tonight, or excuse me, in that game. Um, Tyus Jones, no points. He's a guy that can give you at least 10 points, 12 points in each game. John Conchar, a uh, good shooter. Uh, limited minutes, but still, they just did not have the offense to go up against the Lakers, especially with such a hot start. Anthony Davis, huge bounce back game, 31 points, 17 rebounds, two assists, but defensively three blocks, two steals, great percentages, pretty over, pretty much great percentages. I mean, could have been better, I suppose, but um, you know, he was electric. 25 from LeBron with nine rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block. Um, how many more times can I get away with saying electric 17.7 assists for D'Angelo Russell, solid low percentages, but still 16 off the bench from Roy Hachimura. He continues to be an X factor for the Lakers in this series. And then 13 for Austin Reeves, you know? And so first off, great game for the Lakers. They go up in that series, uh, two to one with that victory. Um, and game four again in Los Angeles, the Grizzlies need a big team response if they want to prevent this from getting 3-1 and the series getting away from them. Um, but on the whole, huge you know game from the Lakers. Again, tough response for the Grizzlies with the whole Dylan Brooks thing, him getting 
uh, ejected and, you know, quote unquote, wasting a 45 point near triple double, hugely efficient game from John Morant. Um, that's going to be a tough thing to kind of deal with. So again, great win for the Lakers. Finally, we'll jump to that game four um, in San Francisco, Golden State Warriors hosting the Sacramento Kings. The Warriors coming into this one down to one. They had one in game three, despite the absence of Draymond Green. Green returned in this game, came off the bench. Um, he actually coordinated that with Steve Kerr. It was not a, you know, direct from Steve Kerr decision. Draymond, we want you to come off the bench. It actually sounds like Draymond, you know, approached Steve Kerr and said, coach, let's, you know, work it this way. Have me come off the bench in game four. Um, and that was the plan. And the Warriors were great. The Kings had every chance to win this game as well. The Kings much different from game three. You know, the Warriors really controlled game three for the most part. The Kings were right in this one. It was anyone's game, especially late and especially with some interesting, you know, errors from one of the greatest players of our generation, Stephen Curry. Um, I, I was following this game for the most part. And I'll be honest, I'll let my biases creep in here. I was rooting for the Kings watching the game and it was so close. The Kings were playing well, but the Warriors were playing really well too. It's so close that I just didn't want the, the strain of it. You know, the, I'm not a Kings fan, but I'm rooting for them in this year's playoffs. And so it kind of feels like, a, you know, my team that I'm rooting for. And uh, those, those are stressful. They can kind of, you know, make your, uh, they raise your blood pressure a little bit. And so I turned it off in the fourth quarter just because I, I didn't want the stress. And apparently there was a, an eventful last couple of minutes, you know, the Kings um, were down about four points. Stephen Curry uh, gets the ball on an inbounds and miscommunication. He decides to try and call for timeout after a King's trap, but the Warriors were out of timeouts at that point. And uh, if you're not familiar, trying to call a timeout without timeouts available, that is a technical foul. Um, so, excuse me, I think it was the Kings were probably down five at that point. Um, Malik Monk, I think, was the one I saw that went to the free throw line, gets a technical free throw. Kings get the ball, and uh, De'Aaron Fox gets a, a clutch three-pointer, and it's within one. The Warriors lead 126 to 125. For the Warriors, fortunately, they were able to hold that lead um, and still come out on top. Harrison Barnes had a chance to hit a, a, a game-tying or game-winning three, um, probably game-winning type of three. Late, that did not go down. Warriors hold on to a victory, definitely a scare. Um, you know, in a, a win, you're able to kind of laugh that off, brush it off a little bit. But um, if they had lost that game, that would be a, you know, big thing that would kind of hang over your head for the future. So, uh, again, credit to the Warriors. Both teams were fantastic in this one. Back and forth game. The Kings held the lead going into halftime. Both teams with electric play. There you go again. Electric. That's the word of the day, apparently. Uh, you look at the Kings. De'Aaron Fox, 38 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, the percentages don't look that great looking at it, but, I mean, he was hitting key shots early, giving him a chance to, to uh, lead this game. And shout out to Keegan Murray, the rookie, 23 points, seven rebounds, and he was five of seven from three-point range. They talked about it on the broadcast. His ability to step up in this series is going to be huge for the Kings trying to win. And that was great to see him kind of emerge after some some quiet games, some you know getting adjusted type of games. Sabonis, 14 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, two blocks and a steal, really going to work inside. Uh, 16 off the bench for Malik Monk, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, 12 points off the bench for Davion Mitchell. Not a bad all-round game for the Kings. You know, they just could have used just a touch more offense and they would have won the game, of course, but it's easy to say that. And again, the Warriors lights out. Stephen Curry, 32 points, five rebounds, four assists. Doing his thing, he, he gets the ball on a you know, just inside the three or just on the edge of the three-point line, throws up a three, looking for the contact, trying to draw a foul, just swishes it. I mean, you just have to throw your hands up and say, 
you know, there's nothing I can do as a defender almost. He can be really discouraging in that sense when he's when he's locked in. And Clay Thompson, same way, 26 points, hugely efficient. Both those guys were knocking in shot after shot. And they also added Jordan Poole doing the same type of thing, 22 points. And, the, you know, sometimes there's that saying, the best defense is a good offense. And uh, Warriors have had some defensive struggles, but uh, when they can get it going like this offensively, and they can add some defensive pieces along the way, like Draymond off the bench or Andrew Wiggins, four blocks and two steals in this game. But he also had 18 points. And again, they get that offense going, and you're kind of working from behind the whole game or just trying to match shot for shot your defensive strategy. You know, you're, you're scrambling defensively. It's a tough matchup. You know, Kevon Looney, another solid game, eight points, 14, 14 rebounds, six assists, a block, and a steal. Um, and then 12 points, 10 rebounds off the bench for Draymond Green, seven assists as well. Decent return for him. Huge win for the Warriors. They tie up that series two to two. And uh, game five, it looks like, will be on Wednesday. That's a little bit of a, a future game. Yeah, game five will be Wednesday night. Again, we'll have some more specifics on uh, game previews coming up. But um, that, I believe, takes care of our... Um, our wrap up from the last weekend of games. So, so we're there. Uh, congratulations to us. Let's go ahead and jump into our key news. Surprisingly, we don't have a ton of news items. Uh, firstly, this is some great ones. Great one for me I mentioned, of course, uh, I personally am a fan of the Utah jazz uh, and our recently acquired seven footer Lowry Markinen. He has won the 2023 most improved player award. Uh, his first season with the Utah Jazz, uh, upped his his scoring, his efficiency. You know, basically all you know all stats, but especially the scoring, emerging as not just a you know decent stretch four guy. Um, he's much more than that and has that capability. He was an All Star, um, and so that's awesome to see. Of course, I'm super hyped for that. Hyped for the future of the Jazz to see what they uh, do with him and the rest of the squad. So congratulations to him. Um, we'll also talk about real quick while I'm remembering, if I remember correctly, tomorrow will be the announcement of rookie of the year, I think, um, because they did update that, um, very recently. Let me see if I can double check that, find that info for you. Um, this is always a fun, uh, fun part of it when I'm trying to figure out, okay, what was the, uh, the news I heard on this. Here we go. I think this will have yes announcement schedule. So tonight, of course, we heard uh, we got this announcement of the most improved player, most improved player of the year. Tomorrow at seven o'clock on TNT, as part of the playoff broadcast, they will announce the rookie of the year for the season again. In all likelihood, it's uh, Paolo Bencaro. That's been the front runner all season. There is every possibility for an upset um, if it's someone like, uh, you know, Jaden Ivey, Walker Kessler, Keegan Murray. I will be very shocked. Um, so regardless, again, congratulations to Larry Markinen. Um, Next, with that uh, game four for the Hawks and Celtics, this is something I forgot to talk about at that point. Um, well, I guess I alluded to it. DeJounte Murray he has been suspended one game without pay. Uh, and that will be game five, uh, for inappropriate contact and verbal abuse towards a game official. Um, pretty severe. I mean, I saw the clip today, basically looks like after right after game four finishes, both teams walking off the floor. Murray walks up to one of the officials, maybe a little bit of a head touch, you know, head to head. Um, getting right in his face, um, saying something. And then as he's walking away, getting a little bit more escalated as far as what he's saying, um, specifically what he said, you know, we don't ever know. We don't have transcripts. It's probably easy to imagine. Um, probably frustrated with some sort of officiating call or, or series of calls, but, um, that came out, it, it, there was an, an announcement shortly after that game, that the NBA was looking into that situation, that there was probably going to be something as far as a, uh, a consequence. 
and that's uh, one game suspension. So now the Hawks are going into game five, um, which again, I believe is, yes, tomorrow, game five in Boston tomorrow, down 3-1 without DeJounte Murray, their key offseason acquisition with just Trey Young and uh, their supporting cast. So, you know, tough situation. And I sympathize because if you have that tough officiating, you feel like a closer game, um, which I believe that Sunday game was, yeah, within eight points, you know, you have a, a call or a series of calls that were pivotal or at key moments. You know, you feel like that was a difference maker in the game. You're going to be upset, you know, but there's also that element of that is a, it's a constant in the NBA for better and for worse. Um, the, the issue of um, player team coach disagreements with referees frustration with calls. That's a constant, you know, and DeJounte Murray knows that better than uh, just about anyone of us, you know, the, the common person who hasn't played at the highest level of basketball, like he has, and his peers currently are doing, he knows better than most, most anyone that, that that is a truth, you know, and that's going to happen. And so to see, you know, those kind of emotions get the better of them um, to let that escalate into something where it's going to impact the team as a whole. He's not able to contribute for the team now in game four, just a tough situation, you know, but again, I, I understand if you, you get that, you feel you've been given the short end of the stick with, with the officiating, it's tough to hold back at, at times. So, you know, I, again, I sympathize with that, but um, that is something the Hawks will have to work through. Um, as far as playing game five without one of their star players. Um, let's get into some injury news uh, here for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Giannis Tenacumpo did return tonight for game four in Miami against the Heat. Again, that one has finished up at the time I'm recording this. I already have the talking points kind of loosely planned for Wednesday's show, um, but just know that he did return tonight, Monday night versus the Heat. Uh, Darren Fox for the Sacramento Kings, he's reportedly doubtful for game five with a fractured left index finger tip. This reportedly is an injury that happened towards the, uh, during the fourth quarter at some point in game four. Um, it's noted that if he plays through this, he would have to wear some sort of a, you know, support, a, uh, little mini finger cast type thing, uh, splint, whatever it is. You know, when you're talking about a guy first playoff series against the defending champions and they're tied 2-2, they have a home court advantage, they're trying to win that series, a guy that's won clutch play of the year, I kind of imagine that guy's going to want to play through the injury. Um, now, if he sits out, that'll be a wildly intriguing wrinkle and I think very damaging for the Kings' chances of trying to win game five. But I'm kind of leaning towards, I feel like Darren Fox will try and play game five. Um, but again, we'll, we'll have to see what happens at that point. Uh, for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard uh, officially ruled out for game five. Of course, Paul George had already been ruled out for the basically the whole series uh, with his own injury. Now Kawhi Leonard will continue to sit. He's missed the last couple of games uh, with that right knee sprain. So that'll just make it all the harder for the Clippers to win, uh, win a game, keep that series close. And then another injury, this one's devastating for the Miami Heat. Of course, they're already without Tyler Hero, one of their key guards. And now they're losing Victor Oladipo. He's out for the season with a torn patellar tendon. Uh, patellar tendon. Devastating news, especially for Oladipo, who's had to overcome. <clears throat> excuse me. He's had to overcome a number of substantial injuries in recent seasons. So, number one, wishing him the best in that road to recovery. Um I imagine that's going to take a number of months at the very least. But um, for Miami, um, them being able to get the win uh, in game three, working through that as far as short term, this playoff series, that's encouraging to be able to get those kind of things done without one of your key players. But um, again, long term, they they hope that he's going to be able to uh, rebound to be a part of that team. We have one more injury note here. Uh, Kyle Anderson, Minnesota Timberwolves, he has been ruled out for game five 
uh, with a left eye injury. I don't have a lot of specifics on that. It looks like that probably would have been sustained in the prior game, um, game four, especially because he was a key contributor in that game. Um, but he's out for game five. That's back in Denver. So Timberwolves will be without uh, one of their key rotational pieces in that one. So all of these, you know, we emphasized it with all depot, but all of these injury issues, we want to reiterate, we certainly wish the best for all of these players as far as being able to recover as quickly as they can get back on the floor and uh, give their teams the best chance to win. So that's what we're, you know, again, wishing all of these players that same thing. Um, our last news item, we have some news off season news for the Houston Rockets. Uh, they have finished their head coaching search. Didn't last terribly long. They have decided to hire uh, recent Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka as uh, their new head coach. And they did look into the reported situation that um, caused Udoka to fall out of favor with the Celtics organization. They looked into that, decided that um, whatever it was would not prevent Udoka from being their new head coach. So that'll be interesting. You know, Celtics Rockets games, Udoka now facing, you know, a team, uh, the team that he coached one season and went to the NBA finals with, that's uh, just odd. You know, it's a, it's a weird, a little footnote. Um, will be, you look back and who was this guy? He coached one year and went to the finals and then he just wasn't there. You know, that's going to be an interesting, uh, factoid for the future. But anyways, that's it for our key news. Let's go ahead and give you our game previews for this week. And really it's our game previews for the next couple of days, because the next week of games, uh, we're at the point where a lot of series are getting close and we can't determine whether there will be game six and game seven of this series and this series at this time. Here's the way things look right now. Tuesday night, We have three games confirmed. They're all game fives of their respective series. Um, Tuesday at 7.30 will be on TNT, and that will be the the two-seed Boston Celtics hosting the seventh-seed Atlanta Hawks. Again, Boston leads that series 3-1. to Boston will be hoping to close things out at home, move on in the second round. After that, but before the second game of the TNT doubleheader, at 9 o'clock on NBA TV, the one seed Denver Nuggets will tip off play against the eight seed Minnesota Timberwolves. Nuggets lead that series three to one, and they'll look to win at home, move on in the second round themselves. And very similarly, at 10 o'clock, again, the second game of that TNT doubleheader, the Phoenix Suns, the four seed, will host the five seed LA Clippers. The Suns lead that series three to one. So they'll be looking to win at home, move on in the second round. Worth noting, the winner of the Nuggets Timberwolves series and the winner of the Suns Clippers series, those two teams will be facing each other in the second round. So if the Nuggets and the Suns both win on Tuesday, they will punch their ticket to uh, a playoff date with each other. It'll be Nuggets-Suns rematching in the second round if that happens. So keep an eye out for that. Um, All three of these times that I've given are Eastern Standard Time. So that first game, 7.30, that's Eastern Standard Time for the Celtics and Hawks and so on. So those are your game fives and and the three total games from Tuesday. Then we'll look at Wednesday. We have uh, four games scheduled for sure, and these are all game fives as well. So uh, again, tonight there was a couple of games, one of them still wrapping up. Tonight's two games were game fours, wrapping up the game fours. Tuesday, we have the first three of the game fives. On Wednesday, we'll have the next four, starting with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the four seed at home against the five seed New York Knicks at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBA TV. Knicks with a 3-1 lead, a little different. They're looking to close out the series in Cleveland, see if they can win at 4-1 and uh, punch their ticket to the second round. And then uh, the second game at 7.30, Eastern Standard Time, that will be on TNT. The Memphis Grizzlies will host the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, That game four is currently being played. At the moment, before game four wraps up, the Lakers lead that series two to one. Depending on what happens tonight, uh, the Grizzlies could have tied that series and be looking to get a win at home to put themselves closer to winning the series. Or the Lakers could be up 3-1 and the Grizzlies could be at home looking to avoid elimination. Uh, so that's your outlook on that game. Jumping to that third game at 9.30 on Eastern Standard, at Eastern Standard Time, 
on NBA TV, the second game of your NBA TV doubleheader, the Milwaukee Bucks will host the Miami Heat. Um, again, not counting tonight's matchup, the the Heat leading that one two games to one, depending on what happens, uh, what happened actually with tonight's game. Uh, the Heat will either be looking to uh, bounce back from a loss. The game, the series will be tied. The Heat trying to retake the lead three to two, or the Heat will be up three one, looking to close out the game in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Uh, so that's the outlook for that one. And then the last game of that series, uh, that slate of games, and your second game of the TNT doubleheader. 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The Sacramento Kings, the three seed, hosting the six seed Golden State Warriors in a series that's tied two to two and looks like it could very easily go seven games uh, with both teams winning their respective home games. But we'll have to see what happens. The matchup of Curry versus Fox. Does De'Aaron Fox sit out game five with a recently acquired finger injury? That'll be interesting to watch out for. But that's your outlook for Tuesday and Wednesday's games. And again, as far as Thursday and Friday's games, those are all to be determined, except we know for sure the Kings and the Warriors will play a game six on Friday. We have no details on time, channel, anything like that, but the Kings and Warriors will play game six on Friday in San Francisco, the Golden State Warriors home court. So, um, And also, we'll let you know if Game 6 is necessary for any of these series, Thursday and Friday's schedule will loosely match Tuesday and Wednesday. So, for example, Hawks and Celtics are playing tomorrow, Tuesday, their first game of Tuesday's action. If they require Game 6, they'll be on Thursday. Similarly, the, um, the Cavs and the Knicks are playing their game five on Wednesday. If they require a game six, they'll be on Friday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, your one, two day one and day two of game five action Thursday, Friday, if game sixes are needed, those would be your day one and day two of game six action. So hopefully that makes sense. And again, by the time we get to Wednesday's show, we'll have a much clearer picture as far as necessary game sixes and game sevens and Friday will, you know, But by that point, we'll also have probably some series wrapping up. And so we'll be down to just a handful of series playing uh, either Wednesday or Friday or both. So something to keep in mind. But um, that's our outlook for the future games of the first round here. Let's go ahead and real quick do a bracket check in before we wrap up the show. Looks like we've gone maybe close to an hour at this point. Um, checking in on the brackets, uh, first off, all of us picked the Sixers winning that first round series correctly. So props to us, but, uh, especially let's give props to Wyatt. He picked the Sixers sweep. He picked that exact series record, the Sixers winning against the Nets four to four to zero. So he gets a bonus point with our bracket scoring system. So kudos to Wyatt for picking that one. Um, as far as the rest of our series, again, none of these have, you know, wrapped up play yet. Um, we all generally look to be on pretty decent track. Um, for the most part, all of us picked Kings warriors to go at least six games. So we're, you know, on the money there as far as, you know, what that series could look like. Um, but again, over the next couple of days, a series start to wrap up. We'll see, okay, who actually picked these series correct. And, uh, we'll start to get some more, you know, distinguished point totals in our brackets at that point. So that'll be interesting to see, but um, but that's a quick bracket check-in and um, let's go ahead and give you our, this day in history fact, before we wrap things up Uh, this day in history, we're going back to 1994. And this one's kind of an interesting one. April 24th of 1994, David Robinson of the San Antonio Spurs became just the fourth NBA player to score 70 points in a game hitting for 71 in the Spurs' 112-97 road win against the L.A. Clippers. This was the final game of the regular season. Wanted to add that. doesn't mention that in the normal fact here. Robinson finished the 1993-94 season as the NBA's scoring champion, edging out Orlando's Shaquille O'Neal 29.8 to 29.3. So again, it's the higher points per game average that wins the scoring title. It was the last day of the regular season. 
those two were in a tight knit battle um, based on that final game for both players. Whoever had a higher scoring game or could really have a, a huge scoring game would win the scoring title. And so David Robinson decided, heck, I'll have 70 points. We're playing the Clippers of the 90s. Why not? And uh, he did just that. Shaq had a good scoring game later that night, but didn't have enough time to to prepare or to to respond and say, oh, well, I'll do the same kind of thing. Um, so, so that's an interesting note. But it's also worth noting, it mentions in that fact, he at that time, he was only the fourth player in NBA history to score at least 70 points in a game. At that point, the only other players to have done that were Wilt Chamberlain, uh, I believe Elgin Baylor was one and David Thompson. If I'm correct. Those were the three that had scored 70 or more in a game. Now, since then, and again, you think about 94, that was close to the, the 50th anniversary of the league, which was 1997. So the first 50, close to 50 years, 47 years, whatever exactly it is. First 47 years of the NBA's existence, four total players scored 70 or more in a game. Since then, four more players have added their names to that list. And two of those were this very season. That to me is wild. The two before this season to add their names were uh, Kobe Bryant and Devin Booker. We all kind of remember, of course, we know Kobe's uh, 81 point game. That's a legendary game. We also remembered because it was pretty recent, Devin Booker's uh, 70 point game. That was in 2017, I believe. But this season we had firstly the Donovan Mitchell 70 point game, 71 point game, excuse me, 71 points. And then it was a matter of weeks later that Damian Lillard had 71 points himself two in one season eight total players in NBA history have ever scored 70 or more. Now we should clarify several of those players have had multiple games. Well, by several, I mean, Wilt Chamberlain of the highest scoring totals in an NBA game, you know, for a single game, regardless of multiple appearances by the same player, Wilt Chamberlain probably has 18 of the top 25 roughly. So he does a lot of that. He did a lot of that himself, but still individual players to have scored that that amount of points or more. Pretty remarkable. And that was pretty long-winded. You know, you got the point well in advance, but um pretty remarkable for two of those to happen in the same season, two different players. Not this kind of thing seen since the the sixties, to be quite honest. So anyways, that takes care of our show for you today. Uh thanks again, both new and um Experienced listeners like we really appreciate your support on the show. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time, all one word, no capital letters on Instagram. We share content from the show, of course, but we also do our best to like and share content from across the NBA. So that page, along with the podcast itself, a great way to stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA as a whole and to get that historic perspective. Um, as far as Wednesday's show, um, depending on finals, because again, Justin's in the same boat as Wyatt finals week, working with that, um, you know, family situation. I mean, you know, busy schedules. We hope to have Justin on maybe even Wyatt joins in. We have our first ever uh, three host podcast. We'll have to see what happens at that point, uh, depending on the schedules, probably more likely that it's just me as far as Wednesday of a finals week is going to be pretty hectic for both those guys. But again, hopefully they're on. We'll have to see what happens. But regardless of who's on the podcast, who's not, um, we'll summarize Monday and Tuesday's action. We'll check in as far as which series are still going. If series have wrapped up at some point, um, give you the latest news and uh, discuss a little bit more playoff talk at that time. But again, thank you for listening. Really appreciate your support on the show, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday. Thanks again.